0: be, did you think to pray? And on that note, um, we did sing a song this morning and we've had some discussions and jokes and laughs about it before when we sing, day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Um, or as Adam used to sing, day and night, night and day, let insects arise. Uh, <laughs> bless him. And so oftentimes, I've, I've often said to Lynette, we joke about it. It's just like, well, if someone doesn't know what that means, it's going to sound very weird and strange. And so for those of you that don't know, I'm going to read a scripture for you, and I'm just going to explain it briefly. This is from Revelation 5, um, and I'm going to read from verse 8. And it says, And when they had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders threw themselves to the ground before the Lamb, each of them with a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. There's another scripture in Psalms that talks about our prayers rise like incense. And so oftentimes prayer and praise is referred to as incense, which then rises to God. And so that's when we sing that song and we sing that section, that is what we are declaring. It's like, may our prayers and our prayers rise day and night to the Father and bring him a sweet smelling aroma. Living in this country, you'll all know that incense. Saturates the room. It permeates your skin, and it sticks on you. And that's kind of what our prayers and our praise do when they go to heaven: is it permeates the room, it changes the room, and it sticks to whatever it encounters. And so that's what that means. Just a brief explanation for you. Um, all right, then, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians six. So long. I'm going to read a few scriptures this morning, actually. Um, So if you have a notebook, that's going to be the best option, because then you can jot them down and stay up, or keep up with me. But I'm going to start with two quick scriptures. The first one is Luke 5, verse 16, and I'm going to then read Luke 6, verse 12. It says, Luke 5, verse 16, it says, Yet Jesus himself frequently withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. In Luke 6, verse 12, it says, Now it was during this time that Jesus went to the mountain to pray. And he spent all night in prayer to God. That last scripture is in context where he's just performed some miracles, I think in Galilee, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just before he calls the 12 disciples to himself and anoints them to go out. And he says, during this time, he went up to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer with God. Another scripture I'm going to read from you for you is Ephesians 6, verse 14 to 20. But I'm just going to focus on verse 18 for now. Um, This is a scripture about the armor of God. And it says in verse 18, With every prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And to this end, be alert with all perseverance and requests for all saints. In Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Do not be anxious for anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition and thanksgiving, tell your requests to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ alone. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, it says, Always rejoice, constantly pray, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. And so I think it's pretty clear that we are to pray. Jesus did it. He withdrew frequently to pray. Before a big event or just after a big moment, Jesus withdrew and he went to pray all night. We are told in every situation to constantly pray. <clears throat> and I love that oftentimes we look at the, the armor of God, and I love that Paul puts this thing right at the end. He says, you've, you've put the breastplate of righteousness on, you've got the sword of the Spirit, you've got the sandals of the preparation of the good news of peace, you've done all these things, now pray. It's not just about what we can do and put on ourselves, but it's about relying on God and praying. So I did some research while preparing for this and found some very interesting statistics. But I'm going to start off with River's statistics. Because last year, I'm sure if you were here, you'll remember we did a bit of a survey with Lynette's dad. And one of the things that they asked in the survey is about prayer. Interestingly enough, only 60% of us pray weekly as a family, if you have a family. Um, 60% of us pray weekly by ourselves, less than 50% of us have attended a corporate prayer meeting, it's a little scary, and I think only 60% of us pray in all situations, those are some of the stats just from Rivers, but then, interestingly enough, that lines up quite amazingly with uh, some of the surveys that I found. I found two surveys, one from 2017 and one from this year. So this is a bit of a mixture of responses. Um, So some surveys amongst believers shows that only 68% of believers pray daily, 17% pray weekly, 5% pray monthly, and 10% seldom pray or never pray. Of that, women, 60% of daily prayers are female. Men, we've got to get it up there a little bit. Come on! (laughs) All right. So women are more inclined to pray. Baby boomers, so those are the generation of I think 50 and above, if I'm not mistaken, and Generation X, so that's from 30, from 40 to 50 something, make up 20 percent. Sorry, make up the um, biggest uh, percentage of those that pray daily. Millennials, that's my age group to about I think, 25, we only make up 20% of daily prayers. That's a little scary. There's no information for Generation Z, so you guys are off the hook for now. Oh, they're not yet, so it's okay. <laughs> when we take income into consideration, the more a person earns, the less inclined they are to pray. Um, for people who earn less than $30,000 a month, they make up 60% of daily prayers. Those that earn over a million dollars a month make up 2%. That's a little scary. The same goes for education. The more educated a person is, the the less inclined they are to pray. Those with a high school diploma or less make up up to 70% of those that pray daily. Those that pray frequently feel a higher sense of purpose, of peace and well-being, They're more likely to read their Bible, attend church and other meetings, have a higher view of God as Father, feel a greater sense of guidance from God. Of those that pray daily, only 30% pray for more than five minutes, 2% pray for more than half an hour, and a typical prayer lasts for less than two minutes. This is some very interesting statistics. This is not to condemn anyone, I promise. These are just statistics. All right, Charles Spurgeon says this, We shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place of esteem as for Christians. He then goes on to say, A prayerful church is a powerful church. R.T. Kendall says this, If you do nothing but read your Bible, you will dry up. If you only pray, you will blow up. But if you do both, you will grow up. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that we can come together, we can look at your word, and just at looking at statistics, looking at what's happening in our own church and in our own lives, Father God, we can see that we need to pray. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that as I speak this morning, would you give me the words to say, and would the seeds that are sown be rooted in fertile soil, take root and grow and bear much fruit, and may you be blessed and glorified through the reading of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I think we can all agree that prayer is pretty important. Um, It's something that is a big part of the Christian life. In fact, I don't know if you remember this, but your journey with God started with prayer. It's how you came to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, as Jesus being the Son of God and inviting Him into your heart. It is our repentance for sin that we do through prayer. We learn that communication with God is through prayer. And it's important to, and it is important to pray as often as we can. But, and I'm speaking to myself too, it's very easy for us to forget to pray daily. You can see from the three scriptures, um, the ones that I read from Ephesians, Philippians, and 1 Thessalonians, that we ought to pray, in, or sorry, with every prayer and petition, to pray at all times. In every situation, we are to pray and petition and make our requests known to God. And we are to constantly pray. We are to always rejoice. And in everything, give thanks. And those are just three scriptures that I've quoted. I found about 47 other scriptures that just say the same thing. Pray constantly. Be persistent in prayer. Keep God. Stay alert. Keep watch. And so there is a great emphasis on the importance of prayer for us. And so in asking the question did you think to pray? I want to challenge us all to take an honest look at ourselves. And I'm going to be honest, I'm starting with myself before I speak to anyone else. That because I'm speaking I hear it first. Did I think to pray? So the question is this morning when you woke up before coming to church, did you pray? Yesterday, did you pray at all? How often did I pray this week? And I'm not just talking about saying grace before dinner. I'm talking about in t- intentional prayer to the Father. I think one of the reasons why it becomes so easy for us to forget about prayer is that prayer is not an obligation. There's nowhere way where it says that we have to pray. There is no law, there is no work that says prayer must be done. But prayer is our sole source of communication with God. You see, prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a relationship between us and the Father. I've said this before, and I'll use this example again, is that I don't just talk to Lynette for one and a half minutes a day, and then that's my day. We're done talking. Cheers, I'll see you tomorrow. No, we're constantly in communication, sometimes more than, not, other, more than other days. So when we talk to our loved ones, that is communication. But we, our relationships and our, our cannot be built on just two minutes of Communication a day. There's a constant communication that happens. Uh, this is for free, but then um, Trevor, Noah, I was watching a video clip of him this week. He's a comedian, if you don't know who he is. And he was talking about COVID's impact on parenting. He said a lot of parents didn't realize that they were parenting part time before COVID because you see them in the morning, you send them to school, you see them in the evening, they go to bed. So you only see really parenting for about four or five hours a day in theory. And so it's a lot of part-time. Then COVID comes and all the kids stay at home and you realize, oh, wait, I'm a full-time parent. This is really happening. You've got to now talk to your kids, have more intentional conversation with them. Have you done your homework? Is your work done? How are things going? Are you coping? Are you doing all right with not going to school? And so there's a lot more intentional conversation that started to happen. And he jokes about the fact that after nine months, we're like, please take them back, but... But there's another variant, just take them in there, we'll see what you're made of. And so there's this thing where he just jokes about this fact that communication with children is so intentional, we have to be intentional with it. And it's the same with our relationships with those around us. If we don't talk to our friends, someone's going to get a little frustrated. Generally, I'm the one making other people frustrated because I'm really bad at replying to WhatsApp messages, I'm sorry guys, I repent. But there is this thing about communication that is so important in relationships. And it's the same when we come to the Father. We've got to communicate with Him. And I think it's quite important at this point to just say that God is not going to accost you if you haven't prayed for a week and then you come. He's not going to shout at you. In James 1, he says, without reproach or reprimand, He will hear your prayers. Not like when I phoned my grand. I love my grand. she's 80-something now, and every time I phone her, I first get a lecture for about five minutes saying, you never phone me, I never hear from you, why are you quoting me now? And so I spend the first 10 minutes just groveling, and be like, I'm so sorry, gran, I love you, you're the best lady ever, and then we get to have the conversation, but then sometimes when I want to phone, I'm just like, I don't have the energy to grovel, and comp- like, be like, I'm so sorry, gran, I haven't called you. And that's the beauty of our relationship with God, is he doesn't say, oh, you haven't spoken to me, so I'm just going to make you feel bad for a few seconds. I don't have to apologize, Be like, I'm so sorry that I haven't prayed. No, God's like, open arms, like, come, let's talk, let's have communion. One of the things we learned in the parenting course that we did recently is that kids spell love T-I-M-E. So when we want to spend time with the kids, it shows them that we love them. And it's the same when we spend time with the Father. That's all he wants is time with us. He wants our time. He wants us to communicate with him. We see this in the scriptures where he says, seek me first. Ask and you will receive. Abide in me. We see that over and over. Jesus is just like, come, seek me first. Seek first the kingdom. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He wants fellowship with us. The key of prayer and time is in our hands. We just need to unlock that fellowship and give him our time and to pray and to worship and to seek him. In conversations with prayer with some people over the last few days, I've actually asked some of my clients that aren't Christians, the Muslims. That's been fun. Um, We're talking to some Christians. Very interesting answers. Um, but I just probed and asked a few questions. Like, what are some of the hindrances that stop us from praying? What is it that gets in the way of us just breaking through that thing and actually praying more often? And so I'm going to focus on three things this morning. We're going to go, go through. I don't want to spend too much time going through that. But what I loved about the set list this morning, Lynette knew I was talking about prayer, but she had no idea that this was my first point. And the songs that we sang this morning it was about You have made us righteous. You have made us faultless before you. We are forgiven. There's these songs about righteousness coming through Christ. And so the first excuse that came up the most with the people that I spoke to, this mostly from, from actually from both sides of the fence, is that people didn't feel worthy. They felt they weren't righteous enough, or they felt that they were too sinful to pray. And I'm going to read a verse from 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. And it says, For there is one God and one intermediary between God and humanity, Jesus Christ, himself human, who gave himself as a ransom for all, revealing God's purpose at his appointed time. You see, the quick answer to the statement of, I don't feel worthy, or I am not righteous, or I am too sinful, is that Jesus became our intermediary for us between God and humanity. He made us righteous through his death and resurrection. He has settled the price that was owed. He has forgiven us of our sins, and we have been put in right standing with God the Father. Therefore, we can come at any time before before the Father in prayer. We do not need to grovel. We do not need to beg. We do not need to slide our way into the conversation. We can come with confidence and boldness, knowing that He has made us righteous. And because of that, we can step into prayer with Him. We, don't do, we, not, sorry, we do not need to do anything other than start talking to him. If you want an example, we can have one from Psalm 51. This is a Psalm of David that was written after Nathan the prophet confronted him after his affair with Bathsheba. And I'm probably going to read the whole thing. It says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your loyal love. Because of your great compassion, wipe away my rebellious acts. Wash away my wrongdoing. Cleanse me of my sins, for I am aware of my rebellious acts. I am forever conscious of my sin. Against you, you above all, I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. So you are just when you confront me. You are right when you condemn me. Look, I was guilty of sin from birth, a sinner the moment my mother conceived me. Look, you desire integrity in the inner man. You want me to possess wisdom. Sprinkle me with water, and I will be pure. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Grant me the ultimate joy of being forgiven. May the bones you crush rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Wipe away all my guilt. Create for me a pure heart, O God. Renew a resolute spirit within me. Do not reject me. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Let me gain experience from the joy of your deliverance. Sustain me by giving me the desire you obey. Then I will teach rebels your merciful ways and sinners will turn to you. Rescue me from the guilt of murder, O God. The God who delivers me, then my tongue will shout for joy because of your deliverance. O oh Lord, give me the words, then my mouth will praise you. Certainly you do not want to sacrifice or else I'd offer it. You do not desire a burnt sacrifice. sacrifices God desires are a humble spirit. O oh God, a humble and repentant heart he will not reject. Because you favor Zion, do what is good for her. Fortify the walls of Jerusalem then you will accept the proper sacrifices burn sacrifices and whole offerings then the bulls will be sacrificed on your altar you see david came before god after being confronted with his sin when he was at his lowest point he cried out to god if david who was called a man after god's own heart can sin and at his lowest point come to god in humbleness and repentance How much more can we know that we are welcome in the presence of God? The key is humility and repentance and gratitude. See, the presence of God is open for every person. The presence of God is open for those who are seeking, those who are lost, those who are broken, those who are anxious, the lonely, the sinners. The presence of God is open for those on the mountaintop, those that are rejoicing, those that are full of joy and thanksgiving. See, prayer is how we talk to God, how we praise Him, to make our requests known to Him, to ask Him for help, for deliverance, for mercy, and for healing. And so it doesn't matter what state you're in, the presence of God is open to you. We can step in and boldly with confidence come and we can pray. Because Jesus has made us righteous. So there is nothing separating us and stopping us from coming into the presence of God and praying. The second thing that came up, which is quite interesting, is a lot of people felt that they did not know how to pray privately or in front of people or how to pray, feeling that they're always praying in the wrong way. I think if you read your Bible, you'll see there are multiple examples of prayer and how to pray. And so there's no right or wrong way to pray. It is your conversation with the Father. Prayer is simply a conversation between you and God, and the key is to come to Him with humbleness and thanksgiving. Charles Spurgeon says about prayer that if we read the Bible, we see that we are to pray constantly. That where we pray and our posture in prayer is not important. I grew up where we had to kneel next to the bed, we were often kneeling there. I remember like being five or six years old and just Get a bit uncomfortable, your knees start to hurt and start to complain and moan. And my mom, like, elbowing us, like, quiet, we're praying. That was a posture of prayer every night. And it was only much later when I realized that that wasn't necessary. It wasn't a bad thing, but it was also not necessary. You see, you do not need to be in a church. You do not need to be next to your bed. You do not need to be in a cathedral. You do not need to be in a holy place. You don't even have to speak out loud where you are, how you pray, and your posture is not important. You can pray in the car. It's probably a good thing to avoid road rage. You can pray in the mall. You can pray while you're shopping. You can pray while you're cooking, while you're exercising. You can pray in bed. You can even pray with your eyes open and your head up. You see, posture is important as well. When I talk to my wife, if I and coming to her with a request or an apology, I'm not going to stand there with my arms crossed and be like, I'm sorry. Because that shows a posture of defiance and defense and just being closed off. It's the same when we pray to God. We don't pray and be like, dear God. <laughs> like, the, the, our body language is important. There is a thing of humbleness when we come before someone and we stand with uh, arms open, arms down, be like, I'm sorry or thank you so much giving a handout, out. Um, we know that the universal sign of surrender is hands up. So we come before God and say, God, I surrender to you. We can lie face down before him in prayer and reverence of him, in humbleness and in awe of who he is. It is also important that while our posture and where we pray is not important, what is important is that prayer is a two-way thing. We pray to God, but he speaks back to us. And so part of our prayer Posture is to listen and to be still. You see, listening and being still is an integral part of prayer. Listening to what God is saying. It's important to find the way that God speaks to you. Some people hear the still, small voice just stirring in their spirits, in their soul, in their, in their, in their belly, that just there's a peace or an understanding or something. Sometimes it's your own voice that just comes with these things that is not your own thoughts. Sometimes you might get a picture or what might look like a video, but God speaks to you through vision. Sometimes it's a dream. Sometimes it's a scripture or confirmation, but to find the way that God speaks to you. And don't be in a rush. Take your time. Allow him to speak to you. And then the third thing, it's probably my favorite excuse, partly because I get it in my profession all the time as well, is I don't have time. And so my question to the statement of I don't have time is, how can you not have the time? In Colossians 4 verse 2, it says, be devoted to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us too that God may open the door for the message so that we may proclaim it to the Gentiles. In Romans 12 verse 12, it says, rejoice in hope, endure in suffering, persist in prayer. So just as in a relationship we need to communicate often and persistently and constantly, we need to do that in our prayer with the Father. Communication in any relationship, friendships, family, marriage, children, takes time, it takes effort, it takes sacrifice, and it takes us being proactive in prioritizing that communication. It's the same with prayer. We've got to be proactive in coming before the Father and praying. It's not going to happen by osmosis. It's not going to happen just out of nowhere. We've got to actively be like, you know, God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to take this time. I think the most, there's two places where I think prayer is the most frequently used. One is before any exam any kid ever writes. I remember... (laughs) My mom would be like, if you study, God will bring everything to remembrance. I remember before every exam, I'd be like, God, I studied, even though I knew I hadn't. And I'm like, please help me to remember everything I've learned. <laughs> Apparently, I only learned, remembered 60% of what I learned. But it's just, there was this thing of like, that, that's when people pray. When you can't find your car keys and then you're in a rush, you're like, oh, God, please help me. I can't find my keys. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't let that be the only time you pray. Don't be your grace before dinner. Be the only time you teach your kids how to pray. Do it consistently, persistently, and at all times. One of my favorite things about Dave and Kathy, they'll be coming next month again, is I remember the first time I visited him was three years ago, and we were driving to the nursery to go buy some plants for their garden. And it was just amazing for me, like just in the middle of conversation, Dave just starts praying. He's just like, God, This is so menial. We are on our way. Please help us find the best orange trees and the best apple trees for our garden. Something so simple, so profound. But going back three years later, the garden is blooming with lemon trees and orange trees and the most amazing fruits and vegetables everywhere. A simple thing of just making prayer a part of their lives in such an easy and beautiful way. There's so many other examples going to a restaurant with them. Like, Lord, let us get a good waiter who knows exactly what we want. And then just having the best experience and being able to then minister into the person's life. Because when we pray constantly and in everything, our minds shift, our perspective changes, where we are more open to hearing the Spirit of God. <clears throat> that was for free. See, prayer, like communication, is important no matter whether we want to do it or whether we don't want to do it. In fact, Paul says, in everything, Make your requests known to God. He doesn't say when you feel like it, come before God and pray. No, he says in everything, especially in those moments where you don't want to. See, oftentimes when we don't want to pray or we feel like we are too sinful or we're not righteous, that's the enemy trying to isolate us from the presence of God. You say, that's the enemy coming and saying, you know what, actually... You're not good enough to pray, so don't do it. God's going to shout at you or he's going to reprimand you. No, that's when you should run to the Father and say, God, I need you. You see, it is a tactic of the enemy to try and tell us that we can't talk to God. R.T. Kendall has a book called Did You Think to Pray? And one of the quotes he says is this, I cannot imagine a greater motivation to pray than that God enjoys having me in his presence. He enjoys my company. He delights in listening to me. He doesn't get bored with my repeated requests. He doesn't moralize me if I get it wrong in what I ask for. He doesn't laugh at me if I put out a silly, even impertinent, request. He never makes me feel stupid. There is no rejection, only total acceptance. I think that's so important for us to remember as I close off now is that the greatest motivation to pray is being in the presence of God. As a Christian, that's where our journey with God started, in the presence of God in prayer. How much how much more do we need to just do it every day? Seek Him, pray with Him. I think there's no mistake in that the correlation between those that pray more often experiencing more peace and calm and direction, there's there's. No coincidence there. There's a reason for that. We see it in the scriptures over and over. Those that pray in everything, God will give them peace. He'll give them direction. He says, if you ask, I'll give you. If you knock, I'll open the door. So in closing, there's three things I want us to remember. And then we're going to do short practical prayer time. All right. The first thing is we can come to God in every situation because he has made us righteous. He has bridged the gap between man and God, and He has given us direct access to the Father. The second thing is, prayer is a simple conversation with God. It doesn't have to be with lofty words or with big King James English. We just come to Him as we are, speaking to Him as our Father. And the third thing is that prayer needs to be a priority. We need to pray constantly. We need to pray persistently, and we need to pray in all situations. I'll end up with one story. Is I don't know if any of you know Pastor Blaine from NEC Church. Um, we were chatting. We, we had the privilege of traveling together. And he was telling me that he gets phone calls at 11 o'clock at night to come and pray for someone's car because they got a new car. And, or he'll get a phone call to say, please can pray for my daughter. They write an exam tomorrow. And so there's this thing of constantly praying, which is beautiful in that culture. It's taxing for him because, unfortunately, they expect him to pray all the time. But that's how we should be. Like, God, i got a new car. Let's pray. Let's bless it. Be like, God, would you help us drive safely? That's more for us than the car. Or be like, God, I'm, my kids are writing exams. Bless them as they study. When you don't know what to make for dinner, it sounds so silly. But be like, God, would you give me some inspiration Yeah, I'm struggling. When you're struggling with your HR at work, God, how can I bring peace? How can I bring resolution to the situation? In our marriage, Lord, how can I bridge the gap between myself and my wife when we are in conflict? Or when things are going well, God bless you. We thank you. We give you honor and glory for what you're doing. It's simple things of praying constantly and making prayer a part of our daily lives. It doesn't mean that you have to go to the prayer room the whole day to be able to pray constantly. But it's about learning how to make prayer and a posture of prayer something that we do all the time through the day, when you're driving, when you're working, when you're exercising, when you're cooking, when you're with your family, with your friends, when you're having a social time, God, how can I pray? And to make that a part of our lives. And so one of the first things we do when we pray is we pray a prayer of thanksgiving. And so oftentimes, we come in and we're just like, God, will you give me this? Or would you bless me with that? Or I need help with this. But as I read earlier from Psalm 100, it says, I'm going to read this from the message translation. It says, enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise. Thank him, worship him. And so we come to God with thanksgiving. and We give him honor and glory. Jesus prayed in the, uh, taught us in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name our Father, hallowed be your name. You are holy. The second thing we do, or what we're going to do this morning, is we're then going to just pray pray for ourselves. Because oftentimes, I don't know if you are guilty of this, you'd be like, you're going through some trouble, but instead of praying for yourself, you message a few people, like, oh, please pray for me, I'm really struggling. So we're going to be like, you know what, you can pray for yourself. Uh, Chris Vallotton tells a story where he puts his hand on on his own head, and he prays for himself. So let's, we're going to do that. And then Thirdly, we're going to pray for each other. Because one of the things that Paul says in most of the scriptures is like, remember the others. Remember to pray for us as we go out and share the message. Remember to pray for your fellow believers. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God for you. And so we're going to do that. So I'm going to ask you, we're going to spend just five minutes. That's already breaking the average for most people's daily prayer. In small groups, maybe three or four at the most. So every person gets a chance. And just we're going to pray. First thing we're going to say, thank you to God. We're going to give him thanks and praise for what he's doing, whether it's in your own life, in the life of people around us in Bahrain, or just around the world, or just a general prayer of thanks. The second one is we're going to pray for ourselves. Be like, God, would you help me? Would you guide me? Would you give me peace or wisdom or understanding? And then we're going to pray for each other as well. Can we do that? Okay, I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll go into small groups of prayer. Father, I just thank you that we can come together and just learn about such a simple but such an important foundational element of what we believe is prayer, Father. Father, we thank you that prayer is just a simple communication, a simple conversation with you, that we don't have to have big theological words, we don't have to have some fancy English or anything like that, Father, but we can come as we are and we can talk to you as we are. We thank you that we can come into your presence because you have made us righteous. Father, I pray for each person that's here this morning that you would bless them, Father. And as we go into this week, would you show us, Holy Spirit, how we can make prayer a part of our daily lives in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you can stand up, find one or two people around you, and then we're just going to pray. So the first thing we're going to pray, a prayer of thanksgiving, prayers for ourselves, and then prayers for others. Only four people have left. (laughs) Only four people have left. (laughs) As you continue to pray, once you've prayed praise or thanksgiving, it's just praise for yourself.